This episode of Sea is the New Land was produced for Port City Futures. Venice Lagoon is the oldest lagoon in the world. The lagoon is a not stable balance between forces from the earth and forces from the sea. If you leave a lagoon like that, or becomes land or becomes sea. One of the two winds. In June 2019, a 65,000-ton cruise ship collided into the central wharf of Venice. The MSC Opera lost control and crashed into a dock and tourist boat, injuring two passengers. Well, we don't have to get off the boat. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. Hold on, hold on. A month later, the cruise ship Costa Deliciosa entered Venice Central Canal despite the adverse weather conditions and almost crashed into another monumental area. In August happened that a big cruise ship of Costa Crociere decided to go in terrible weather. There was a very, very strong wind blowing from the south, so blowing from the lagoon, and this very strong wind pushed on the side of the cruise ship. Tommaso Cacciari, a Venetian activist, witnessed the near tragedy. The cruise ship is about 60 meters high, 180 to 200 meters long. So imagine this great uh, iron wall that gets all the wind. And so the ship moved towards the city, Uh, went very, very close to the city, went very, very close to a yacht, two public transport boats that were full of people in that moment that nearly crashed against the ship. The, The most terrible thing was the conversation that came out between the captain of the Costa Crociere ship and the officer of the maritime authority and uh, was the maritime authority that was asking do you need another safety boat and the captain said no no we're okay are you sure you don't want another safety boat no no it's okay and this is terrible because uh, you see how the the cruise company are stronger than the maritime authority a maritime authority should say you need another safety boat you need other two safety boats you need to wait no but public authority is asking to a private company what do you want are you sure you don't need so the safety of the city is in the hands of the captain of a cruise boat that is just employee of a big private company Per il momento comunque manteniamo una velocità leggermente più alta per un governo migliore visto che comunque c'è ancora vento. Ok comandante, quindi mi conferma che non vi serve il quarto rimorchiatore? No, confermo. Va bene così, la ringrazio. This 
ships are thought to cross the seas and not cross medieval small city. And so if in the middle of the sea blows a strong wind from your side and you move of 50, 100, 200 meters, it's not important. But if you move 100 meters while you cross the city is very, very dangerous. And that's one of the points that we say. Cruise ships are not safe. Tommaso has been part of no big ships since the beginning. The committee was created nine years ago by a small group of local residents worried about the large ships crossing the fragile Venice Lagoon. As the risks and damaging impact increase, the group has become a solid citizens' movement. Uh, I mean, there were actions that took place already in 2011-2012, but it was uh, after the Isola del Giglio incident uh, that the movement uh, established, so it was formally founded. And uh, in eight years, a lot of things changes. Marta Sottoriva is an active member of the No Big Ships Committee. The, the factual participation is about around thousands of people for demos. Uh, the biggest one was last year, in 2019, after the incident uh, in San Basilio. Uh, the uh, cruise ship crashed against the dock. Luckily, no one died, but uh, it was uh, really a, uh, almost a tragedy because it, uh, it crashed right in the, Judeca, in the Judeca channel, so in the city center, basically. It was said that uh, 100 meters before, and it would crash into a supermarket and to the historical uh, monuments. So that incident was, was a, like a wake-up for many, many people. There were 10,000 people that participated to the demonstration, as well as part of the establishment, many politicians as well, which was really interesting because even representatives of the big ship part, people that always promoted big ships, that always said they are good for the economy, good for the city, uh, never questioned ships and actually went for that type of economy, uh, basically needed to say that, I mean, lying, basically saying they were always on the, on the side of, of citizen, but uh, I mean, that, that was a huge thing. Are big cruise ships good for the city's economy? A paradigmatic question to ask in pandemic times. Professor Tatara, economist at the Ka Foscari University, has shown how the costs of cruise activity are much larger than the benefits. This imbalance is accompanied by a distribution problem. While a large part of cruise sector income is concentrated in a few economic categories, such as tour operators, all citizens bear the costs without choosing to. Professor Tattara identifies the behaviour of cruise ship companies and port operators as free riders. Now, free riding is a market failure that occurs when those who benefit from resources for public good such as public roads, hospital and uh, any other public good, or services of a communal nature, do not pay them or underpay them. Free riders are a problem because why not paying for the good, either directly through fees or tolls or indirectly through taxes, 
they may continue to access or use it. So the good that is in our case the town of Venice is overused and degraded. Now cruise activity represent a free riding because they don't pay for the cost they provoke moving in Venice. Actually when a ship moves the company pays moving fees, disembarkment fees, wastage disposal, etc. etc. but they don't pay for significant costs, which are pollution, air pollution is the main problem, damage on the Venice canals to the displacement of a huge mass of water in narrow canals because of the risk of accidents and all that entails, damage or this risk is so huge and so incommensurable that the balance, if you balance the, the cost against the advantage, of course, the, the cost is so, so much bigger than any advantage you can have. I mean, we have a, a town that is overwhelmed by tourism, so if you make an additional flow of tourism, you have a cost, no? you don't have a revenue. It is very concentrated. It's concentrated during the weekends, where the town is much uh, overwhelmed by tourism flows. According to Tatara, cruise sector benefits bear little for the local territory. Large ships are refurbished by global logistics. The only real local benefit is jobs, even if relatively, as they tend to be seasonal and precarious. The instability of these jobs is particularly visible during a pandemic. The cooperative Portabagagli del Porto, the luggage handlers at Venice Cruise Port, has been strongly affected by COVID. Antonio Velleca, is the cooperative spokesman. It's a, it's a really, really hard period because we are, we are not working since November 19. So it's really hard to, to pay the bills. It's really hard to motivate the workers to stay calm, to wait. The most uh, difficult thing now is to know when we will start again. The Cooperativa Portabagalli del Porto di Venezia is one of the oldest work organizations in Venice. It was established in the, the 1937 and now we have 38 employees. But normally during the cruise season we arrive at about 150 employees. 36 are the permanent employees and the other are season employees. 50% of them are part-time. Our economy is based on the number of passengers, so more passengers for us is better. But we know that is not the same for the city. We can understand that, because another problem is the congestion. A lot of people in Venice start uh, fighting against the cruise markets. We think that environmental is due to the, to the age of the ships, because the modern ships uh, are not so damaged for the environment. We don't want to work with the old ships. We need to work with the modern ships. They are bigger. Are they able to get inside the lagoon? Bigger and newer ships emit less pollutant per passenger. But the ship's most damaging effects on Venice 
are related to their gigantism. The bigger the vessel tonnage, the deeper or larger its coal has to be. This causes a massive hydrodynamic imbalance in the lagoon. For receiving the increasingly gigantic vessels, it is also necessary to dig the canals, risking damage to its natural ecosystem and the city-built environment, triggering more frequent high tides and accelerating erosion. The biggest, the newest ship of MSG was uh, inaugurated in Barcelona, even before of the COVID pandemic. It didn't come in Venice because it's too big. So if we want those ships, uh, we have to cut away a part of the city because there's not enough space for the ship to turn around. The port of Miami, that it's not managed by radical environmentalist activists, made a port offshore for reasons opposite of the, uh, of the environmental issues. Because they say, if we want the last generation ships that are bigger and bigger, we have to build a port that can, can receive these ships. And the traditional port next to the city, inside the city, cannot. It's not possible physically. In fact, the last ship of MSG already cannot come in Venice because it's too big. Naval gigantism aims at maximizing profits. It is obvious that such industry cannot determine the model of a unique and fragile city like Venice. Despite the clear incompatibility of these ships with the lagoon, no significant political decisions have been made. Why? What is the relationship between the port, the city and the industry? In nine years, they did not decide nothing. And uh, while uh, protests came bigger and bigger, while accidents uh, became one after the other, as the city and the port literally broke down. No, Venice is a city that was born on the sea, and the relationship between the city and the sea is the essential of Venice. Venice is a port. No, but at a certain point, there has been a breakdown. The ships became bigger and bigger and bigger. It's not the ships that's adapting to the city, to the lagoon, but it's the lagoon and the city that has to adapt to the ships. Political institutions are just uh, so weak uh, in front of uh, the power of these uh, uh, cruise companies. Venice Port Authority is a public institution with the commercial port and the passenger port divided according to function. Control of the passenger port was given in concession to a financial holding company created by the Port Authority in 1997, Venice Terminal Passengers, or VTP. In 2016, a large number of VTP stocks were bought by Veneto Sviluppo, a financial company 51% owned by the regional government and the rest by banks. Immediately after the sale, Veneto Sviluppo sold 48% of its stock to Venezia Investimenti, a company created by the cruise operators MSC, Costa, Royal Caribbean and Global Lehman. These financially shape-shifting operations were carried out legally, though kept out of the public eye 
the result is that the public passenger terminal has been taken out of public control. This conflict of interest exposes the breaking up of city and port and also might explain political immobility. What is moving right now is, is uh, interest that wants the ships still in the lagoon, uh, going through the Ma um, Malamocco channel, the oil channel, through Porto Marghera, so still in the lagoon. Some people, some interest that want an arbor built at the San, uh, uh, mouth port of uh, San Nicolò. Uh, it's uh, the, the so-called uh, the Piccoli Duferco project. And then there's people that are pushing for an offshore port, but there's no definite project right now for that. So the people that are pushing for ships to enter through the oil channel into Porto Marghera are the, especially our mayor and uh, some interests at the local level, because our mayor uh, has uh, land. So he has every interest to speculate in that area because it's, uh, it's virgin land. Other, other parties that are pushing for Fusina. The problem is, this is really detrimental. The, the compromise that they found with companies, with um, the cruise ship companies, was that to excavate the Vittorio Emanuele channel, which brings <laughs> at the Maritima. Excavating the Vittorio Emanuele channel uh, uh, would mean dig in the lagoon and take out around 3 million uh, of tons of uh, meter cubers of toxic mud uh, because they belong to the area that have never been uh, uh, cleaned by the, the Porto Marghera, the, 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 in the factories, the industries, the chemical industries, leaks. They can't move that, they can't by law. So they what they've been trying for years was to change the law in order to declassify the toxicity of muds in order to excavate that and takes the take the ships to uh, the Maritima. Uh, we still don't know up to this date how they, will, how they are thinking to manage the traffic of both the commercial harbour with the cruise ship harbour. The 30 years long concession to VTP ends in 2024. The project of a new port would require a public international concourse which put at risk the company's monopoly on cruise ships in Venice. We have a common denominator, big ships out of the lagoon. So that allows us to welcome different voices from regular common citizens that don't want to see the ships in the Judeca channel to the radical activists that are fighting for climate justice and for which the, the cruise ship industry should be abolished altogether. Uh, the committee allow us to have all and all the in-betweens, all the different shades. Before COVID, we were fighting against uh, an industry that was well working. Right now, because it's it stopped, we it becoming stronger and stronger the need to discuss about alternatives for real. So uh, even with the involvement of workers or harbor workers. How do you see Venice in ten years? We need to do drastic things. We need uh, drastic solution. And if you are not 
able to do that, uh, Venice in two decades is going to disappear. The population and the city itself are going to disappear. It has to be radical and it has to be really <laughs> take, like upside down. Uh, we always say that Venice is the symbol of, of the climate crisis because it's the first city in, the Euro in Europe that is going to disappear because of the consequences of global warming. Obviously, I, we were fighting and we will make every effort to uh, change direction. Uh, I want to hope that this shock is what Venice needed to change direction. If Venice changes direction, Venice can become the most beautiful city in the world. A city where you go by foot, where you are, live in contact with people, a big community, as it used to be. It uh, could be the best place to live, to work, uh, to grow children. Uh, Venice could be, as Sergio Bettini said, Venice could become the most modern city in the world, even if it has more than 1,000 years. Because the relationship between Venice and nature, Venice and his environment, is the most modern, absolute. Venice is the oldest lagoon in the world because for centuries the human activity helped the balance between earth, sea and build the miracle that it's Venice. And this is the most modern possible relationship between a human community and its environment. Touching, continually, changing, working, modifying, but in a correct way, not with big digging of canals, mega cruise ships, mose, not as we treated the lagoon in the last century. So Venice can really learn from this shock, build real economies based on citizenship and not on tourism, build a new relationship between its environment. And so Venice can reborn you know, from this uh, uh, situation and uh, become really the most beautiful city in the world, not to see but to live. Or we can learn nothing. In that case, Venice will definitely die. The few residents and citizens that remain there will go away. And uh, when, well, it's an amusement park for tourists and uh, that's, the other, that's the other option. I believe that we really are in a, in a cross point, you know, uh, we can get one direction or another. <laughs>